Oh, hey, I'm so glad that you found us. My name is Michael, and I get to be the pastor at Shepherd's Community United Methodist Church in Lakeland, Florida. You're listening to the It's Better When You're Here podcast, where every week we upload the messages that are preached at our church every Sunday. We hope by listening to this, you feel safe, heard, and loved by the God that created you. We hope this message makes an impact in your life. If listening to this makes a difference, reach out to us and connect with us either on social media or on our website, shepherdsumc.com. All right, here's the message. To be generous is a gift from God that makes us look like God. So we started a new series called Go and Do. It's going to be a series that looks at all the ways and explore the ways of what it means to actually act like a Christian. To not just have great head knowledge or great experience or great history of going to church, but instead actually look like and act like a Christian. Last week was a sermon that I was, if I'm really honest, really vulnerable with you, a little little anxious about, a little uncertain about, but I'm grateful that I serve a church that allows us to talk about things like Juneteenth, racism, and our role within it as, as followers of Jesus. And so thank you for being a safe place for your pastor to try something out. Thank you so much for the incredibly positive reception. Even with the asterisk last week, I said I, I kind of don't know how to respond when someone says good sermon. I feel the urge to say you too, and I don't know how to respond to a compliment. Talk to my therapist about it, but I'm grateful for the positive response that we had. So um, our faith is not something we keep behind glass and admire. It's something we use. I love going to museums. I love, you know, seeing old artifacts. I think they're great. But there's a part of me that kind of feels sad that these artifacts are going to stay behind glass. See an old sword, an old talisman, an old pipe or whatever, and you think, wow, its days are done. You're just going to be looking at it. And too often, followers of Jesus, I think, we make a declaration of faith or we go through confirmation or we just go to church a lot and then we just kind of put our faith behind glass. We don't take it out and use it. We don't look at it. We don't act with it. There's this handsaw in our house that I never use because it belonged to Alphonse LeBlanc, which is where I get my ridiculous middle name that I use as a social media handle and nothing else because no one wants to be called Alphonse, not even my grandfather. But I have his handsaw. There have been times when I've needed to cut a piece of wood at the house for some sort of home project, and there is no chance that I'm going to use his handsaw because it would be just my luck to snap it in half, right? But that's not our faith, friends. Our faith in Jesus Christ is not something that we admire and put a tiny little brass plaque underneath it, here lies a Christian, but instead it's something that we use every single day. And the thing I'm going to say a lot today, the thing I hope you get stuck in your head is this. Until we know that all we have is a gift, we will never feel that we have enough. Uh, We see this passage of people coming into the synagogue, coming into the temple, and giving to the temple reserve, giving to the temple tithe bucket, basically. And we saw two main characters. We saw wealthy people coming in and giving a whole bunch, and we saw a poor widow giving two half pennies. This was during a time when giving was a public thing. Here in our church, we we pass plates. We're getting better at it, by the way. Just want to acknowledge. There have been some Sundays where we just kind of grab someone who's moving slow enough, and then they're like, I don't know what what I do. I think everyone saw a plate today. And it's something that I don't know if you see on the bottom here, but there's a little bit of padding 
underneath it. This is, this is a Christian thing that we do. This padding is here so that if you pay in gold coin, which we, we don't take gold coin. I take that back. We'll take gold coin. We'll find a way. It won't make a clanging noise, so it'll be nice and private. It's between you and God. The Bible tells us don't let your right hand know what your left hand is giving. It should be a private thing. It's a spiritual discipline. And just like I don't do my daily prayers in front of an audience so that I can be admired, our giving is a private thing. The vast majority of us here in this space, myself included, we give online. And that's super private. That's between pretty much just you and your bank and the Lord. But during this time, it was something that people did, and they wanted to make sure people saw them. When you were giving in the temple, it was something that you hoped people see. But Jesus pointed out that the one who gave the most was someone who was giving from poverty, not giving from great excess, but giving a percentage of something very, very small. It wasn't so that other people could admire her. He was giving out of a generosity that she could not contain. And you see, friends, Jesus saw the tiny little gift, the two half pennies, and saw a gift that Jesus, the creator of the universe, admired. Christ doesn't deal in dollars. Christ is interested in percentages. You know, ultimately, friends, the the rich person, the rich people that gave, they definitely gave more than these two half pennies. But Christ saw the depth of sacrifice of the poor widow and admired the generosity within. Because Christ doesn't deal in dollars, Christ is interested in percentages. Friends, until we know that all we have is a gift, we will never feel that we have enough. Because friends, giving, tithing is the Christian word for it, is something that we do that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? Giving is something that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to the world around us. Generosity is not something that someone can understand objectively, right? Giving tells us that 90% is greater than 100%. And that's something that doesn't make any sense. We as followers of Jesus, we know that God has called us to give 10% of what we earn to the work of God's kingdom through a local church. That is something that doesn't make any sense, 90%, if you're still taking math tests, I'm so sorry, but if you take a math test and you see this equation, you know that it's wrong. 90% is, in fact, a little bit less than 100%. But we, as followers of Jesus, in, in this passage, we're called to something that is greater than just logic, greater than just numbers. And as someone who never really liked doing math, I find great joy in this, right? Our hearts and our souls can tell us something better than numbers can. That we as followers of Jesus, when we give sacrificially like the poor widow, we end up finding that we have more, which again makes no sense. But when we allow our generosity to guide our decisions, we begin to be kingdom-minded. And until we know that all we have is a gift, we will never feel that we have enough. There's this great passage in Matthew chapter 14. It's called the feeding of the 5,000. The two loaves and fishes, it goes by a lot of different names. I always loved this passage because I love food. I love a potluck. That to me is just a wonderful thing. I also really like that, you know, the God of the universe, the God that created, you know, Mount Everest jazz music and grape flavoring, also got down on a level enough that he was worried that everyone had enough snacks. Um, and I, I love that. Um, 
I think that that's such a beautiful image. But I wanted to draw attention to this. If you have a Bible, you can open it up. If you have a cell phone, you can Google Matthew chapter 14. It says this, when Jesus arrived and he saw a large crowd, he had compassion for them and healed those. Let's focus on that. Jesus healed those who were sick. Again, God of the universe created everything around us, healed those who were sick. How young do we seem to an eternal being, right? How, how young, I'll tell you this, this is something that I'm, I'm running into. I'm, I'm turning 35 this year, and I teach at Florida Southern, and I work with our young adults, and I'm around in youth ministry sometimes, and boy, oh boy, oh boy, they let 10-year-olds go to college now. They're so, they're so young, and I'm so old, and it's such a strange thing to see. Imagine Jesus, who was there at the beginning of all things, seeing us and seeing compassion on an illness that has lasted for 10 years. Seeing compassion on someone who has an illness that's lasted one year. What a depth of compassion for an eternal being to see the value of healing someone. I just think that that's powerful. That evening, his disciples came and said to him, this is an isolated place and it's getting late. Send the crowds away. So Jesus is here with a large crowd of people. The disciples begin to look at their watches. They didn't have watches. They start looking at their watches. And they start realizing, oh boy, everyone's, their blood sugar is dropping. It's about to get grumpy around here. And so you need to send them away so that they can eat, right? That's logic. Logic says, I saw a quickie mark down the road. They can all go down there, get something quick and then hurry on back, but we don't have anything here. They need to go and take care of themselves. They can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. This is scarcity thinking. Everyone say scarcity. Scarcity is when you look around you and you see all the things that you don't have, all right? Scarcity is the thinking where you look around and you realize, oh, no, I forgot the bag that had all of the potato chips in them, right? I forgot the juice box, Am I making some parents really anxious? Imagine leaving without a pouch and a bag, right? That horrible feeling of realizing that that bag didn't make it with you as you got off the tram at Disney World. I, I feel I'm back, I'm back in the zone. I'm having flashbacks. But that's what logical thinking says. That's what, that's what we as human beings say. Send them away so they can buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, there's no need to send them away. You... Give them something to eat. What a powerful order from the God of the universe. There's no need to send this crowd of 5,000 people away. You give them something to eat. They replied, we have nothing here except five loaves of bread and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. I don't know about you. But sometimes I feel like God is telling me to feed them myself. And I say, I have nothing here but five loaves of bread and two fish. God calls me to have a difficult conversation, to give sacrificially, to serve beyond what I think is possible. And I say, God, I've only got five loaves and two fish. And what does the God of the universe say? Bring them 
here to me. Bring them here to me and see what I do. So Jesus takes these five loaves, he takes these two fish, and a miracle happens. But what is required is for the disciples to bring it to God. They bring the fish and the loaves to Jesus. Jesus takes them and blesses them, and all of a sudden it multiplies. It multiplies and it multiplies and it multiplies. But it took the courage, the followers of Jesus, to say this is all we have. This is the little that we have. And for Christ to say, bring them here to me. We've talked about scarcity. Our whole economy exists to teach you that you do not have enough. I think often, I'm young enough to where I remember when Febreze came out. Does everyone remember when Febreze came out? You know, all of a sudden we realized that we needed a spray to make things not smell, right? My whole life, my parents, my mom, was putting potpourri in any place that she could, right? It needed to be little chips of wood that smelled like lavender, right? Or grandma, really, is what it, that was the scent. I saw the bag. It said grandma. And needed to be everywhere because we needed as much smell as possible. And then all of a sudden, we started seeing these advertisements that said, this spray will make all the smells go away. And all of a sudden, we realized, oh, that's what we need. We need to have no smells. We have to remove any trace of human existence in this home before family comes over, right? We need people to walk in and say, this home has been abandoned. That's what it needs to look like, Right? That's what Febreze was. We, we didn't know how bad we needed it, and then all of a sudden we bought bottles and bottles and bottles of the spray that made all the smell go away. Our whole economy is based off of what we don't have. We don't have the right car, the right shoes, the right clothing. We don't have the right memberships. We don't have the right friends. We don't have the right habits. And our whole economy is based off of us being told that we're not enough. Christ came so that we might see that he is all that we need. I hope this doesn't feel too trite to you. I hope this doesn't feel like a cliche. Because friends, it is the center of all good things in this world. All of existence is hurtling towards our realization that we cannot buy our happiness. We cannot earn our worthiness. And ultimately, Christ is all that we need. Our world tells us that we need a thousand rolls of toilet paper. Yeah, I mean, do you remember 2020 rolled around, there was a pandemic and everyone thought, toilet paper. And as soon as we saw the empty shelves, that's when we knew that we needed toilet paper. There were even people that ordered toilet paper from China so that we could ensure that we had toilet paper. Only took them 10 months to get there and the rolls were this big. And we felt so safe and so secure once we had that toilet paper that we needed. I didn't know that I needed a 1,000 rolls of toilet paper. Friends, there's a, I hate to put it this way, but there's a finite amount of toilet paper that we all need on this planet, right? And I don't go into any details, but our economy is based off of this, this feeling that, no, maybe you need just a few more. Maybe we need a new car. We need a fancier car. We need Bluetooth in our car. We need the backup camera. If you don't have a backup camera, what are you going to do? Use a mirror like we have for the last 100 years? You could get a crick in your neck. You need an HD camera. I drove a rental car. I know some of you have all backup cameras, and I'm very jealous. I just want to be very clear. I'm preaching to myself here. I drove a rental car once that I don't know how they did this. I'm sure it was some sort of sorcery. But it was, you had a camera all around the car. 
You could see what was coming up next to your car. It was like there was a drone above us giving us a 360 shot. I was amazed, and I, I didn't hit anything, but I'm very lucky. I probably could have. I wanted to stare at the whole thing the whole time. It was incredible. What were we talking about? Sorry. But Christ tells, or the world tells us that we need those things. We need the new thing, the best thing. And what does Christ tell us? I need five loaves and two fish. Five loaves, two fish. These are not big fish. These are fish that if you caught it, you'd hold it like this. Any fishermen in the room know what I'm talking about? You're not holding it up here. You need it out, right? Or maybe you put it on the pole and you, you know, you need to, these are not big fish. These are not grouper. These are tiny fish. These are freshwater fish. And Christ says, that's more than enough for me. And until we know that all we have is a gift, we will never feel that we have enough. See, friends, we need generosity. The pursuit of enough will drive us nuts. If we think that we're going to eventually attain enough, we are fooling ourselves, friends. Enough does not exist. Once you reach enough, you look over the hill and see that there's more. There's more. There's more. We exist in a world where there's a few people that have enough money that they could literally never spend all of it, and yet they continue to pursue more. The only, the only way out of this pursuit is generosity. And as followers of Jesus, our goal is not enough. Hear the good news. Our goal is not to get to enough. Our goal is content. Our goal is content. I think about my life when I was a college kid. I think about how I joined other organizations on campus so that I could get free meals. I think I shared this with you all. I was a member of Hillel, which was the Jewish Student Union, the Black Student Union, uh, the Muslim Student Association, the Catholic Campus uh, Ministry. It was not Catholic. The Baptist College Ministry, they had great potlucks. I could create a map of all the different things I would try out, right, just to get a free falafel, right? And I think about sometimes how, I don't want to brag or anything, but like I can order a soda if I go out to lunch. You know, I kind of got it like that. And I think about how um, I had a friend teach me in college that if you ask for water, they'll give you as much lemon sugar as, as you want, and you can make lemonade. And, and you won't have to pay for it, right? Because those two, those $2 that you need can't be spending them on sugary water, right? College me looking at the way I am or, you know, the way I was even a few years ago, I, I, I feel like they would look at me, college me would look at me and think, man, that guy is a billionaire. But even I can feel broke when I forget contentedness. When I can look at all the ways when I'm convinced by culture, when I'm convinced by the world around me that I don't have enough, I can feel broke. I can feel like I am not enough. And until we know that all we have is a gift, we will never feel that we have enough. So back to the passage. This woman had nothing, and she knew she had enough. The thing about uh, Jesus's time is that people who were widows, women who were widows, had no chance of providing for a comfortable life. There, there was a belief, there was a, a, a common practice where women who no longer had husbands could not earn enough to take care of themselves. They could never make a nest egg. This was where this woman was, and yet she knew that she had 
enough. The rich had everything. In this story, the rich had everything that they could possibly need and gave what they had left over. And that's why our giving as a church to our neighborhood is now a line item in our budget. So if you were to look at our budget, which anytime you want to look at it, you let me know and we can make that happen. Our books are completely open. But if you were to look at it, you would see our generosity, the giving that we do to Medilla and our sister church in Cuba is treated in the budget like our electric bill, right? We don't give, oh, sure, we can give them whatever we have left ever. No, we treat it as if it's Lakeland Electric, which go ahead and pay Lakeland Electric whatever you want, and you'll be in the dark pretty soon, and it'll be hot, right? We treat it as if it is a bill because generosity is in the DNA of who we are as a church, as a community. Because God doesn't call us to give from our excess, but God calls us to give knowing that Christ is enough. Christ saw that this woman knew that what she had was a gift. And until we know that all we have is a gift, we will never feel that we have enough. Everything is a gift, friends. Everything is a gift. Shepherds is full of hard-working people. I hear about what some of y'all do for work or did for work, and it makes my back hurt just hearing it, right? The work that some of y'all do is incredibly difficult. I think often about my dad, he had these weird knees. We called them Entenmann's knees because my dad delivered Entenmann's in Boston. And he had a 2 a.m. to 2 p.m. shift four days a week. For those counting at home, that stinks, right? And he would get on his knees on these linoleum floors and he would pack the, the coffee cakes and the donuts and the cookies and then hop right up with his two-wheel cart and go to the next shop and and his knees, he, I mean, they made, he made so much noise when he stood up. It sounded like a china shop getting broken into. Um, and that was his life. And I can promise you everything that we have is a gift from God. We have not earned one good thing without the grace of God. Every good thing that we have comes from God. And giving because of gratitude is like, <laughs> it's like wearing the pajamas grandma gave you on Christmas Eve. You may not you know, necessarily feel it, but the reason why you wear them is because you want the giver to know that you appreciate them. That's what giving from gratitude is. When we give from gratitude, it is an acknowledgement that everything we have is a gift from God. Our praise team, when we hear them use their musical talents to lead us in worship, it is an act of gratitude. Because Sammy has practiced a lot on the drums, but it's a gift of God that he's able to keep time. All of our singers are incredibly talented because they sing a lot, but it's also because a gift of God helps all of us, most of us, some of us stay in key. Amen? It's a gift of God that we get to use the gifts that we have, including our finances. The giver wants to see the joy, the joy. And until we know that all we have is a gift, we will never feel that we have enough. Giving from joy frees us to live to the fullest. And so I'm going to use a, a Christian word right now, and that's the word tithe. Everyone say tithe. Tithe is an old Christian word for 10%. Um, we as followers of Jesus believe that what we give, the aspiration that we're pointing towards is 10% of our income. Why 10%? Well, because it's enough to challenge us. 
It's something that is not easy to do. It is something that is beyond what culture thinks we should do. To give 10% of your income is something that is not normal, and neither is anything else Christ calls us to do. Why do we give to the church? Well, because we know that the kingdom will come through the gospel. I love to give. Being generous is something that is wonderful to do. If you post a GoFundMe, there's a chance that you're going to see a tiny little donation. It feels so good to be able to do that. It's such a gift from God. And that sort of generosity, that charity giving is a beautiful expression of God's love, and it is not the same as tithing. Because if I have some change in my pocket, I'm getting rid of it as soon as I can. I hate having coins in my pocket. I don't understand it. Why do we still do it? Don't get me started. But if the Salvation Army bucket is nearby, bam, easy, right? Get these quarters out of my pocket. I hate it, right? As soon as I can, they're getting dropped off. But that is not tithing. That is giving like the rich people gave in this passage. It is giving from excess. But when we give to the church our tithe and offerings, we are giving to the church because we know that the kingdom comes through the gospel. We know that the world will change because of Christ's love through the church. And then lastly, why a percentage? Well, because it reminds us that we are returning a small portion. I love when a little kid will share some dessert with you, right? They've got a cookie that's the size of their head, and they're like, would you like a bite? I also love when they police the bite that you're going to take, right? Maybe even if you purchase the cookie, don't get me started, and you go in for a bite, and they go, ah, 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 little bite. And, and then you get to take just a little, like, you get to have a crumb off of their cookie that, again, you bought. And sometimes I feel that way when I give. Everything I have is from God, and I give a percentage, But if I gave just what was left over, I wouldn't understand that it was a spiritual practice. It's not a financial practice alone. It is a spiritual practice. We give a small portion what God has given us. And so our challenge this morning, I've got got a few different challenges, and it's it's simply this. I want you to think, and I want you to move. So think, am am I giving? You know, if this is not your home church, I, I want you to go home to your home church and think about how you give to that church. If this is your home church, I want you to think about the ways that you give to this church. If you're, giving, if you're not giving at all, I encourage you to try the smallest percent that you believe you could do. I know that that might require you, like me, to take your calculator out, but I'm sure you have an app for that. It's okay. I believe in you. Maybe you have a spouse or a loved one double-check your math, Right? But think about the smallest percentage that you can do and try that. Recently saw a church that offered a 90-day, this is a real thing, a 90-day money-back guarantee that if you tithe for 90 days and you didn't feel a difference, they would give you your money back. We do not offer that program here. (laughs) Because, friends, it's not a warranty, right? Tithing is not fire insurance, If you give to this church, you still have to follow Jesus. It's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. We would charge a lot more. And friends, it is a spiritual practice. I want you to try it like I want you to try praying every day. I want you to try it like you try reading God's Word every day. I want you to try it like I want you to try small group community. Give it a try and see how it feels. 
All right, the next challenge is this, thinking. Am I giving? Am I giving a set percentage or just a certain amount of money? I want to challenge you to move towards giving a percentage. If you have a flat dollar amount, I want to challenge you to do something different and difficult and to give a flat percentage. I give a weird amount. It's, it's 10% of what I give, and it is not a normal amount. And friends, it feels different. As someone who's grown up giving to the church, it feels different now that I give 10%. It does not feel like I give a flat dollar amount. It makes a difference. So my challenge for you is think, am I giving a set dollar amount or a percentage? And then make that move. And here's where I'm going to put my literal money where my mouth is. If it's less than the dollar amount that you currently give, do that. If you currently give $20 a week and your 2% giving would be $19, $15, $14, I challenge you to do that because I believe that God will do an incredible work in your life because you can grow in percentage as God allows for faithfulness and grace. And then lastly, am I at 10%? If the answer is no, increase 1% at a time. As you're able to find a way to make that happen, I would encourage you to grow that way. What I don't encourage you to do, and and hear hear my sincerity, please do not go from 0% to 10%. That'll hurt. I'm not a financial expert, believe me, but I'll tell you, that's a lot, right? And so do please grow as you would in a spiritual discipline. If you come to me and say, I feel distant from my faith, I don't know if God is even listening and you tell me that you've never prayed before, I will not tell you to pray the hours. I will not tell you to pray every hour on the hour in Latin, right? I'm not going to challenge you to reach that far. I'll tell you to whisper a prayer to God and see if you hear anything. I'll tell you to spend 30 seconds in mindfulness every day. We start small. At Vacation Bible School, I'm not going to exegete the book of Leviticus to our kids, because I don't know what some of those words mean, right? Instead, I'm going to tell them that God loves them, and I'm going to dress up like a ding-dong and call myself microphony, because that's where God meets all of us. God meets us just the same in our generosity. And friends, the one thing I hope you hold on to today, the one thing I hope you take with you like a backpack, a thing that I hope that you carry along is this. Until we know that all we have is a gift, We will never feel that we have enough. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, friends. I hope you heard something in today's message that made an impact in your life, helped you know that you're loved by God, and inspired you to do something about the gospel that is offered to you. Now receive this blessing as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you, and give you peace. Amen.